heard across the Resonate Regional Radio Network. It's my time, it's my life. I hope you will come along. This is Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network, the 5th of September. A very good morning to everybody listening to us across the Resonate Broadcast Network through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4GC Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network. Good morning to you. Robin Stevens uh, joins us, event coordinator for the Outback Festival in Winton. We're going to catch up also with Tony Perrett, the member for Gympie and uh, opposition spokesman for agriculture. We'll talk with David Littleproud and what happened to the Brisbane Broncos. Fell off a cliff. That will have discussion will take place. Peter Bedell will join me as well. So much to get through this morning. A big show for you. It's Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. A very good morning. Now we're in spring. It's the 5th of September. Let's get into it across the Resonate Broadcast Network. This is Rural Queensland today. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Leader of the National Party is David Littleproud. He joins us this morning. David, good morning. Um, lots going on. Let's unpack this ag visa. Um, you, the, the now lack of understanding by the Labor government, it just shows it's been absolutely diabolical. Uh, you've, you've been very, very, very critical, and rightly so, that the, this ag visa has now been scrapped. Yeah, mate. Look, the numbers are just raw and they're simple. Uh, NFF and COSBOA all say around 172,000 workers are required to get it from your paddock to their plate. Uh, and effectively the best that they're going to give us is the Pacific Scheme, which is around 52,000 workers. That's all they can provide. And then we're also competing for those workers. So, um, you know, this just it just goes to show that when Labor said, well, we're not going to do this because the AWU said no, they've just cowed in the corner. Uh, we've lost this. Uh, and it means that farmers are making investment decisions not to plant. But what that also means is that everyone pays at the checkout. Because if farmers don't plant, Supply goes down, prices go up, and effectively that's what's happening at the moment. You're paying more at the checkout because Labor won't provide farmers the workers they need. Yeah, so, okay, what's the solution? Why won't the government come into this? I, I don't know, you work so hard for this. Why is it that the government have scrapped this now, and what is going to be the scheme that works, um, th- this Pacific Australian Labor Mobility Scheme, which, you know, is not originally focused on agriculture, it's now included in everything else. Why will people choose agriculture? Well, they won't, and that's the problem. Is And there's only 52,000 of them that we're trying to get when we need 172,000. The reason we are not got an ag visa is because the AWU told uh, the Labor Party they can't have one, Daniel Walton, the secretary of AWU, said that Australian farming families are exploiting their workers. And in fact, he's proudly got that up on the AWU website, that he uh, will always fight against an ag visa. So they've now put together a working group, which is all the unions, the NFF and the government, to come up with a solution to find 172,000 workers, but have excluded the ag visa, which would, would have brought in nearly all those because it was an un it was an uncapped model. It was just demand-driven. Yeah. So I just don't know what they're going to do, but this working group's going to have to work pretty quick because farmers are deciding not to plant now, which means uh, your prices are going up at the checkout. And that's the way it's going to be. Um, we have such a skill shortage now in this country, and and I know AgForce um, are, are very tr- – 
really focused on trying to get this over the line. But there's so much going on behind the closed doors that we're being kept away from. How do we get some transparency from the government? Yeah, and this is where this working group, I mean, NFF uh, want to be part of this. They they lambasted me until I got them an ag visa, and then when, as soon as I get them one uh, and Labor get in and Labor scrap it, they go cowering in a corner, hiding away. So I don't know what the solution is. They simply need to come up out of this working group and say, where do you find that 120,000-plus workers that farmers need and the processing sector needs, where do you find them? And if you can't tell us, then the only option is to revert back to the ag visa, admit you're wrong, put the safeguards around uh, workers so they're not exploited, and just get on with the job. Give farmers the investment confidence they need. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you attack them some more. Job Summit in Canberra was held recently. Did you get anything out of that? Well, look, I got to articulate regional Australia's challenges, not just in agriculture, but in other skills as well. It's you know, We've got a shortage of doctors and nurses and teachers and cooks and mechanics. Uh, so it's not just the ag visa. We think we should have a regional skills visa. And both the ag visa and the skills visa, regional skills visa, should have a pathway to permanent residency. We think that's a good way to incentivise people to come here and to live in regional Australia. And then they put roots down and, and they invariably stay. So... We put that up. We also believe that the pensioners, veterans, and those in disability pensions should be able to work more without impacting their their pension payments. And the government has moved some ways on that, and we thank them for that. So that's a win that the nationals chalked up. But we also think there's opportunities there around paying hex debts of graduates, graduate doctors, nurses, uh, even pharmacists and, and teachers to make sure that we do have the right numbers out there to incentivise young people to come out. And I think that just makes sense as well as putting in more regional university centres. So we took some pragmatic approaches to the job summit at the Nationals. We chose to be there. We chose to be in the room. Uh, we think that gives you currency when when uh, you want to attack the government because you were trying to be constructive. If they don't take our ideas up, um, unless they've got an alternative that, that substitutes it, then it gives us the right to go hard at them. Yeah, you're dead right. I'm concerned that there's this environmental plan going on in the state, and I understand that David, you, from a federal level, you're, you're focused there, but it looks like the Labor government is trying to put a new environmental plan which would control stocking rates of land in Queensland. How dangerous yeah, this, is this? This is frightening. This is this is what's happening in the Netherlands, and you're seeing farmers are being told how much they can plant, what, what fertiliser they can use, which is already happening to some extent for those guys up in North Queensland under the refracts. Uh, a bureaucrat in Brisbane tells a farmer what they're doing, um, and so this is this is the frightening thing that they want to bring right across the across the state, and I can tell you that the the federal mob are watching closely because they see this as an opportunity. This is where you need strong advocacy groups. You know your your peak bodies have to stand up, and they can't just think that the that this uh, labour mob are going to be all kind and gentle to them. They're going to do them over because they have an ideological view. They have an ideological view that they don't really want us managing the landscape. They think it should all just go back to grass and bees and trees and honey. That's what they think it should be. So this tears away at your very right to produce food and fibre and to make a living. This is very, very dangerous. And I just think that Ag Force in particular need to stand up and make sure they're not party to this. And the state opposition needs to make sure they go swinging to the government because this would be this would be frightening for Australian agriculture. Well, they haven't been invited. Australia. They haven't been invited to this meeting. The, the LNP aren't involved, but I know that Ag Force have signed. Certain members have signed 
confidentiality agreements and that they're involved at the present moment in having these discussions. But the concerning part is that where to from there? You know, like um, that's the that's the to me the real worry. If it does go ahead, we've got to be concerned about this. Well, if, if I'm in a peak body and I'm asked by government to sign a confidentiality agreement, um, that is the first red flag for me to know that, one, this isn't going to be fantastic, and two, they're trying to box me in so that I don't come out and support the people that I'm, I'm paid to support, my members. So you know, I would be frightened to think that anyone would even consider signing a confidentiality agreement with a government that's going to impose legislation that takes away people's property rights. That's that's first rule of, of advocacy is don't get caught in and don't be party to the government. Hold them to account, work with them constructively, but make sure it's transparent to your members. Otherwise, you lose trust. Yeah, and that's the big thing. Um, um, it, it, there's no trust there at the moment, and that's the concern. Um, the health is a mess. Our roads are a mess. Our, our uh, teachers are... Uh, shortage. We've got walkouts now with doctors who are, are sick to death of what's going on, and all this is being led by the state. And the, the hands are tied from the federal perspective. Yeah, but mate, just just be mindful that the feds are going to be complicit in this. Uh, they even Murray Watt, uh, as well as Joel Fitzgibbon, have all said they believe they that we should be telling farmers what they can produce and where they can produce it. They're on the record of saying that. So this is an ideological shift that we need to make sure we're, we're actually uh, cognizant of and that our peak bottle bodies have the courage to stand up and have a crack and, and hold them to account because they're the ones that have the currency more than even an opposition. And if they don't use that and they don't show their members, members that, then they failed. And it's important that they are transparent to their members, that they're not going to let any of these retrograde steps take place and that they'll reward farmers, not penalise farmers for the stewardship of the land, which is what we try to do as a federal government. In fact, I'm pleased to say Anthony Albanese has renewed the biodiversity stewardship program. So that's a reward, not a big stick, letting farmers decide, not not bureaucrats. Yeah, well said. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much for being with us this morning, mate. Thanks for having me. Good on you. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. It is Monday morning, the 5th of September. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. So much going on around our great state, but the 50-year anniversary weekend will be taking place in Winton um, from Friday the 23rd of September till the 25th of September. It's the very first Winton Outback Festival that was launched in 1972, and from there it has just been a, a phenomenal, phenomenal event. The event coordinator for the Outback Festival in Winton is Robin Stevens, and she joins us this morning. Robin, good morning, and thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, good morning, Ben. It's a pleasure. 50 years. Who would have thought? What a iconic festival this is, and, and you're going to celebrate it in, in one big, big show come late September. That's correct, Ben. Um, um, we're looking forward to holding this party to celebrate our 50th anniversary of an event that was born out of a drought in the 1960s. And, um, yes, we had a devastating drought in our region and town and uh, we wanted to um, rejuvenate the town. And uh, what did we do? We all got together and thought, how can we make this this town prosperous again? And we run an event, a 10-day festival. The first one was so successful, we went again in 73. 
and the rest is history, Ben. Wowee. So this was the back of the community. Just So have you done this, Robin, for 50 years? No, I've been um, I've been on the committee for about uh, forty five years. I've been the coordinator probably for about that time as well. Oh my god! Um, um, it's been a it's been a, a great journey, Ben. It's been a wonderful event, and uh, look, it's it's brought so many people into this town, and uh, probably this is why we've just been awarded the winner of Queensland's twenty twenty two top tiny tourism town. Unbelievable! Um, look, we yes, we we. You know, we open our doors for um, tourists out here and we welcome them, you know. And this festival, um, as I said, it's um, it's just been um, what a great journey we've had. But, it, Ben, it wouldn't happen without the many volunteers. It's a volunteer community-based organisation. And if we didn't have our volunteers, we just wouldn't be able to run an event as, as, as large as this. With some 40 events. Over the five days, we normally run this event. As I said, when we first started with 10 days, we went back to an eight day. And then from 2021, we went five days. It's a massive event to organise, especially yeah. in the outback. Yeah, it certainly is. So how many people are you expecting for the 50th? I mean, this is going to have – you've got gala functions, you've got 50th anniversary gala dinner, you know. There, there is a lot. There's a lot going on. How, how honestly um, do you think that, and how many people do you think you're going to get there? Look, on um, normally when we have our five day events, you know, we can get up to five thousand people coming into the town. That's per day. Um, we think that this one, um, we're, we're hoping that we can get at least half of that. Get a couple of, you know, two and a half thousand people coming back into town. There's still a lot of um, people travelling around the our region at the moment. And um, um, we're, you know, and bookings have been quite strong. So, you know, we're looking to really put this party on and celebrate very well for this, um, to celebrate what a, a great achievement and milestone this event has um, brought to this town. Not only that, Ben, um, we, uh, we partnered with the Royal Flying Doctor Service because from 1973, uh, the Royal Flying Doctor Service and the Outback Festival hosted the Queen of the Outback Quest. Yep, and that and we uh, that quest run till um, 1995, and um, it, uh, it it looked a number of young females that entered into that quest. We've got a lot of those people. We've invited who we can find to come back and be part of this celebration. So, partnering with the Royal Flying Doctor Service has been a wonderful journey to bring a lot of those queens that raised so much money over the years for the Royal Flying Doctor Service to keep that, that um, you know, keep them up in the air flying and do that wonderful service they do. So how many people do you think, you, like, you're going to get them all back, all the queens back? I mean, th- th- you know, talking about y- y- there's going to be a structure as well, a 50th anniversary structure for the Outback Festival, that's an unveiling as well. So there is a lot happening. Yes, there is. And not only did we have the Queen of the Outback Quest, the festival run a Queen Quest. Now, back in 72... The Queen's, our festival queens, our local girls, um, raised funds, and a lot of those funds helped this festival build to what it is today. And that that quest went till um, 97, um, I think it was. So we didn't, like back then, you know, sponsorship was very hard. So these girls helped us get get off, you know, get off the ground. And um, But now since, you know, 80s, 
the late 80s, we really have gone out there and it's become one of the probably one of the biggest non-metropolitan festivals because we've we've um, really promoted this event and it has a name um so people you know they refer to coming back to the outback festival so um it's it's going to be a really gala event i feel because our association as i said with the Roseline doctor service over those number of years and those queens that uh, we've been able to find, and we're still out there now. If there's anyone out there today that was a, pe- um, a queen of the Outback uh, Quest queen, we'd just come and call us. We'd love to have you back to help part, you know, help celebrate this wonderful occasion. Oh, I think this is, and this is a shout out to anybody who has listened to this um, and who obviously likes and loves the town of Winton. The 50th year anniversary weekend is is happening this year. It's happening starting on the, the anniversary event weekend is the 23rd to the 25th of September. Live music, stage shows, gala functions, shearers and shed workers reunions, market stalls, there's the unveiling of the f- festival's 50th anniversary structure, paint and sip, sip workshop, they're always the best, a gala dinner, open air movies and plenty more. How do people go and where can they find you, obviously, to get the full program? Yeah, the full program uh, will uh, up on our website, uh, outbackfestival.com.au. Now, if they want to book for um, the gala dinner, please go to the website. Tickets are still available um, to um, attend the gala function. Um, And also um, the Bush Poets Breakfast, so you book online there. And um, also uh, accommodation, um, um, caravanners. There's a um, book online there if you want to... um, um, run your um, caravan in yep. the showgrounds and we'll look after you there. Perfect. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much for being with us this morning and it is a phenomenal, phenomenal event, one that I think everybody uh, would be very, very proud and, and obviously needs to support and it's not just from Winton, it's from everywhere, but a call out to anybody that's been involved, please come back on that weekend. Um, 50 years is iconic. And that is what they will be celebrating. This is Rural Queensland today. Robin Stevens, I hope it goes well. We'll talk to you a little closer to the date. It's about three weeks away. We'll talk to you a little closer just to get a feel for how this weekend will go. Thanks so much for being with us. And thank you, Ben, and look forward to talking to you again. Thank Thank you you very much. Robin Stevens, event coordinator for the Outback Festival in Winton, 50 years, the 23rd to the 25th of September. This is Rural Queensland today. Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Well, it was a very, very disappointed Broncos fan base and the Broncos Rugby Leagues Club after they had a tragic loss uh, on Saturday night to St. George Illawarra. There's no two ways about hiding it. The Broncos fell off a cliff with six weeks to go. They're a top four proposition. They are now out of the eight, licking their wounds and working out what has to happen for them to take that next step, and that is finals football. Pressure on the coach, of course. Chief League Writer for the Courier Mail and one of the best in the business is Peter Bedelli joins us this morning on Rural Queensland today. Good morning, Bomber. It was a sad tale for Brisbane and one that I don't think anybody really expected six weeks ago. No, absolutely, Dobbo. It's quite stunning, isn't it? I mean, six weeks ago they were in fourth spot and I remember Gordon Teller saying that they could win the premiership and now here we are. They're out of out of the finals. I'm still quite shell-shocked by the finale. I, I did that I look back, Dobbo, and I think that loss to the West Tigers was was so costly. They only needed one more win to make the finals, and that that game at home against the Tigers, I just thought it was an absolute gimme. 
and they blew it big time. They were terrible that night, and now the inquisitions will begin, Dobbo, as to what went wrong and how they turn it around to make sure there's no collapse next season. The Carrigan loss over the last four weeks was pivotal along with Herbie Farnworth, but there were players that just dropped off, and there's no two ways about it. They look tired. Brisbane had been up for a long time and a long origin period. That is where – and players – and, I mean, we know that Payne Huss is injured. Katani Staggs went missing for the majority. Um, Kurt Capewell, by his own omissions, was nowhere near the player that he is. He, I mean, he's an origin representative. It, it, they just look tired, even Adam Reynolds. The break might do some of these blokes the world of good. Yeah, I think so, Dobbo. And, look, I think Kevy made a good point after the press conference the other night after the loss of the Dragons where he said that – it has been a long year for a lot of these younger players who aren't used to the grind of the NRL. As you said, Dobbo, a young guy like Selwyn Cobbo, he was playing bush footy 18 months ago, two years ago, and now he's in the NRL playing Origin. So it is a, it is a grind, and we've seen with many a Broncos team, Dobbo struggle with the post-Origin hangover. And I think it got the better of him this year mentally and physically, and I think that's something that maybe Dobbo, they'll be battle-hardened from this campaign and they come back next year and guys like Selwyn Cobbo, Pat Carrigan, Jordan Ricky, Katoni Staggs are stronger mentally and physically for what they've gone through this year. That, let's hope so because that's that's the only way the Broncos can bounce back next year is to get mentally tougher. Yeah, and that's the thing that they do. Reese Walsh comes into that side, but there is going to be some question marks about the coaching. Now, I, I believe Kevin Walters stays as coach. I don't think there's any two ways about that. I don't think he gets sacked. But maybe, just maybe, when this review is underway, that they do look at potentially some of the assistants. I think they've got a real superstar in Matt Ballon. Matt Ballon is an absolute out-and-out phenomenal coach, and I think they've done a great job in recruiting him there. But maybe, just maybe, there might be some changes in the coaching department. Well, we've seen it before, haven't we, Dobbo, with Wayne Bennett. I mean, he, he made changes to his coaching staff. He ironically sacked Kevin Walters as an assistant way back in 2005 and Gary Belcher, Glenn Lazarus, and they ended up winning the competition the next year with a new team of assistants. So maybe, Dobbo, if Kevy wants to protect his own patch for the moment, maybe he has to look at freshening up his assistant staff. As you said, Matt Ballon's highly regarded. I, I dare say he'll stay on. Oh, 100%. But there has been... There has been drums beating, Dobbo, about Terry Madison and John Cartwright. You know, look, they're very experienced assistants, but perhaps there's a view that they're cut from the same cloth as Kevy. They're from the same era. Maybe they need a, a younger, more contemporised coach to be more attuned to technicalities in the day of the game these days. So, so look, Dobbo, I think there has to be some change, though, to the coaching department. If Kevy wants to stay in the job, which I believe he will, uh, they know he needs to find a new, fresher face on his staff. And then I believe next year's make or break for him, Dobbo, because he's missed two finals. And if he misses a third, he won't be Broncos coach for, in 2024. I, I don't think there's any two ways about that. But Brisbane, you would expect, would make the finals. I don't think there's any doubt. I think that they definitely make the finals. Um, can I ask you this? And I, and I, Payne Haas, will he play for Brisbane in 2023? Well, Oh, I, I think I think he will, Dobbo. I mean, I, I would like him to stay at Brisbane. I think it's the right club for him. And I, if it's about money, Dobbo, I don't know where he gets better coin across the NRL. I mean, he's on 850000 next season. He becomes the highest-paid player at the Broncos. He goes past Adam Reynolds. He's the highest-paid prop in the club's history. I don't know what more he can ask for financially. If he's chasing premierships, Dobbo, that's the big driver, perhaps then maybe he will go to another club. But the problem is, Dobbo, if he wants to go to a club that wins premierships, he won't be earning a million dollars a season. 
And because if you want to win, be a successful club, you've got to take a bit less to stay. That's just the reality. And Nathan Cleary will be doing that in the next few years at Penrith. So I, I think you'll stay. I'm hopeful that the Broncos can have talks with Payne over the coming weeks and months and sort out his future because that's just another cloud hanging over the club. They need some clarity there. Yeah, they certainly do. Um, and it's a big thing. And it is a really, really um, interesting situation there's no two ways about it. Brisbane were disappointing. Who wins the comp now? Oh, Dom, I still think Penrith are the team to beat. I know they were held up on the weekend. They rested hard their, their whole squad. Look, I think Nathan Cleary now comes back for the finals. I think they'll be refreshed. They'll still be hungry to go back to back. I, I still think they're the team to beat. I believe they'll win the comp. But, geez, Dom, I can't believe they'll open this comp in terms of a grand final opponent. Like, I believe Penrith make the grand final, but... The Roosters are coming, surging home. South Sydney will get Damien Cook back this week, and if Latrell stays fit, they're a chance. I think Parramatta are my smoky dobbo, my mighty eels. I, uh, I'd love to see them make the grand final. They play Penrith this week, but I think they could meet again in the grand final, potentially. I think Parramatta's got the right tools and the right players to, to go all the way. Wouldn't that be a special grand final regardless? Peter Bedell, Chief League Rider for the Courier-Mail. We appreciate your time, mate. We... Um there's going to be obviously a lot going on at Red Hill this week, but then we, we focus on the finals and the Cowboys are the great white hope of, of of Queensland for the next duration. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much this morning for being with us. No worries, Dobbo. Any time. Peter Bedell, Chief League Rider of the Kuruma. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland today across the Resonate Broadcast Network, the 5th of September. You're with Ben Dobbin on Monday morning. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. LMP Opposition Spokesman for Agriculture and Gippy MP, Tony Perrett, joins us this morning. G'day, mate. How are you? Yeah, morning, Ben. Uh, yeah, um, rural debt, it's a real worry. It's up 25.97% in two years, um, but it's showing off the back of the beef industry that it's sustainable. We just need the government to get behind us and support us. Yeah, absolutely, Ben. Look, it, it is. It is concerning. Obviously, we've seen significant investment uh, into rural Queensland in, in recent years. But the thing that's the most concerning about this, this debt survey is the gap between gross value production uh, and debt, which has increased significantly. Uh, and on the back of rising interest rates and then, and then of course, uh, you know, the increased cost in, in production, uh, so fuel costs, fertiliser costs, transport, uh, you know, farm labour shortages, those sorts of things, uh, there is some some reason for concern, Ben. It's something that we're worried about because there's not a lot of support happening and coming from the government at the moment. They're actually in an environmental plan. We talked about this. Um, and we're not quite sure exactly what is happening with all that. I'm worried about the stocking rates. That's my big my big thing, that we're going to have an environmental plan that controls the stocking rates of what goes on in our land. Yeah, well, there's, there's secret legislation the government has got they just they just there's just no information obviously they've made some groups sign these confidentially confidentiality deeds to find out what's actually in it but they can't tell anyone uh, and it's quite extraordinary that you get a situation where a government won't even openly discuss legislation that they want to put for the parliament and 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 as we know Ben this, this government and Labor governments have got form so whenever they 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 touch environmental laws you know it's not good for uh, rural producers we just know that and you've got, just got to go back. Uh, a few short years when they tried to put the reverse onus of proof and retrospectivity into the vegetation management laws in this state. Um, so I'm seriously concerned the fact that the, neither the Premier nor the Environment Minister will rule out 
uh, any of these changes and, and particularly having that draconian power to be able to uh, influence stocking numbers um, uh, worries me significantly. Yeah, um, it, 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 it is different. When we talk about this rural debt, the portion the largest poorest set of debt is Western Downs and Central Highlands region with more than 35% of total rural debt in Queensland totaling $8.5 billion. Now, what, what what can we take out of that? Land values are more dear. There's more land that's been bought. What 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 do we take out of that? Well, we know land values have increased uh, significantly in in recent years, uh, and that's on the back of you know improved beef prices. But then you've got to yeah you know, bring everything into the into the mix and and, and understanding with this. And it's, it's all very well having you know high land values, and particularly you know if yeah producers can can you know fund. Uh, the major component of that capital is probably not such a concern, but when the when the debt has increased like it has, uh, and then you've got threats of you know like biosecurity issues around foot and mouth disease and lappy skin disease, so there are a lot of concern there. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but but equally on the back of rising interest rates uh, and then the cost production uh, and farm labour shortages, there's there's a there's a lot of challenges there for rural Queensland, and uh, if if we see interest rates double, which which they're likely to do, uh, given the forecasts that are coming out of the Federal Treasury uh, and the Reserve Bank, um, it'll place additional pressure and that profitability will be eroded. And if it's eroded, then there's further pressure back on those producers. Yeah, um, it, it is a real worry. Um, what are the other big challenges at the moment, mate? Um, obviously, you're you're out and about at the present moment, and there's a lot of different areas that have of concern. We we know that the health and the teaching is just a mess as well. Look, it is, uh, and and that's not just that's across Queensland. It's just not not isolated to certain areas, and we've seen a lack of investment. Uh, into Queensland Health and particularly our hospitals. And I know I experienced that even my elected, in, in the Gympie elected, where there's you know, been uh, significant underinvestment for a long period of time that's creating challenges for locals to be able to get the basic health services they need. Uh, we're seeing in some electorates, and I know the new member for Calloid spoke about it in the parliament uh, late last week, about uh, there's no birthing in it that are, that are open in his electorate anymore. They've, they've closed. Uh, and, and even to the point where even if, constituents of his uh, from that Calli electorate want to go to Gladstone. Gladstone is also on bypass. Um, so they've got to go further afield, and it's just simply not good enough. Like, you know, basic health services should be provided across this state, no matter where you live, uh, but it's a chronic lack of investment, and we see we see record budgets, but we're not seeing record outcomes built, um, with it. So, so Ben, it's, 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 you know, serious issues, and but even, even just the, you know, the day-to-day operations of government, I know I spoke about this in the the parliament last week, uh, simple things for rural producers like uh, being able to get permits to acquire or to, to purchase new firearms yeah, and the weapons been... licensing brands. It, it's just an absolute failure. Uh, you know, times are pushing out towards two months now uh, for the government to be able to process permits to acquire and understand it's almost six months uh, to have a uh, weapons license approved. So, what are they saying? Is there going to be a change in that? How do that? How is there a change? How do they do it? How how can they? And what's their reasoning for it? Uh, it it's just very very concerning um, what they're saying at the moment. Yeah, well, look, the basic functions of government are to service the people, and and if you're not getting a decent service, which mind you, you're paying for when you when you make these applications, uh, the government's failing, and I know. And the minister will say, "Oh, we committed an additional forty staff to that that branch." Well, it should never have got to this stage. Uh, and 
while they're trying to uh, acquire these 40 new staff and then train them, uh, the wait times are still blowing out. So it's just not good enough. And you've got to, you know, but you've only got to go back again, Ben, a couple of years ago, back you know in early 2020, um, when COVID uh, first entered this state, uh, that they just closed uh, licensed armour and dealers without any understanding of the importance and the need for them, particularly in rural and regional Queensland. So it would appear that it's just a clear lack of understanding from the ministers and the government. Uh, as to how you know people operate their their not their lives. Yeah, unreal. Hey, uh, I really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you so much for being with us. Have a uh, a great day, Tony. You do a phenomenal job, and you're keeping them very honest. Um, look, there's lots going on in, in all different facets at the moment, but this rural debt is something that we're concerned about, and obviously keeping uh, an eye on the gun licensing laws and all those regulations and the turnaround times are very important as well. Thanks so much for being with us this morning on Rural Queensland Today. No, good to talk, Ben. Thanks, mate. We'll take a break. Come back with more. This is Rural Queensland Today. That's it from us here this morning at Rural Queensland Today. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Ray Hadley joins you next. Have a great day, Queensland. And we'll be back tomorrow. Remember, when the wheat is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. Till next time, it's bye for now.